the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and Ph.D. with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined, news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick and my co-host Larry Dersham and I have a great show for you tonight, including a great guest. But first, we have to talk about what happened this week, Larry. Now, I understand not all the votes have been counted, and that's going to sort of complicate our analysis of what went wrong or what went right last week. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. You and I have no doubt been inundated with emails talking about the red wave that wasn't. But is that really true? Do we actually... I say we, let's uh, sort of streamline the show from my perspective. Do Republicans actually have a feeling of defeat? Are they going to tell our former president to hang up the red hat? Or do we actually, do Republicans have something to celebrate? Well, I think it was a mixed victory, Wendy. They say, uh, I was reading an article that 6 million more Republicans than Democrats voted in the election so what happened to the so-called red wave? And uh, there's a, a lot of analysis we're going to do here. And uh, But one of the biggest things, I don't know if you've heard of Julie Kelly, but she's really kind of following very closely that uh, January 6th event that happened where resulted in that committee in Congress. But she's really brilliant as a uh, election person as well. And she said the exit polling showed that people were concerned about the Dobbs decision. The, the Basically, the Democrats ran a fear uh, campaign, in her opinion, and uh, about abortion. And a lot of people turned out to, um, to basically vote Democratic because normally uh, at this time there would have been a huge red wave because we have a Democratic president and it's been that way throughout history. Well, Larry, what's interesting about that analysis is I agree if we had the election in July, remember Dobbs came down in June, if we had the election in July, many people would have been more focused on abortion than inflation. But given that Republicans are game day voters, query whether they turned out in number voting for the same kitchen table issues that Democrats want to vote for. I mean, think about it. Gas, groceries, everybody drives and dines. But you bring up January 6th. If Republicans, as they are predicted to do, do indeed take over the House, I mean, won't that that group of committees just expire like a carton of eggs at the end of the year? Where will those committees be if Republicans take over the House? Surely they're going to disband them or will they? No, I I think they will be disbanded. And um, maybe the Republicans, if they do take over the majority of the House, they'll 
create their own committees to kind of investigate the January 6th committee. Uh, I, I don't know wow. what the possibilities will be, but check out this analysis uh, too, Wendy, that um, they said that a lot of people, I think our election rules have changed a lot since the pandemic and everybody knows that. So has the ground game changed? And here's just something to think about. In the 2018 election, uh, there were only 28 million people requested uh, absentee ballots. But in this current election, 52 million voters requested mail-in ballots. That's almost double. So now we got the the mail-in ballot thing happening. So there's been some changes. And um, here's here's what I would add to that. Yeah, go ahead. So requesting a mail-in ballot doesn't mean you're going to vote. Yes. I would want to know how many of those ballots that were received were actually cast. Yes. Now, we know how many people voted on Election Day because we saw them there. I mean, they, we got all the tabulations, the signature verifications, and that's sometimes that's what holds up the vote. But asking for a ballot is different. And that analysis is complicated even further in states like ours that mails everybody a ballot. So you can't say, well, we have X amount of people in California, so this is the amount of votes we're going to have. I would wonder, Larry, whether that exit polling uh, reflects people that, you know, asked for the ballots or decided to vote on one of these issues. Remember, there's, you know, lots of people are not single issue voters. I mean, they care about both crime and climate change. They care about both the border or the price of bread. And I would say that demography matters as well. Uh, It's not destiny, but people that live in Arizona and Texas or California border states probably care more about, let's not say immigration. What about calling it border security? There are lots of bipartisan issues that drove people to the polls. But my question always is, especially when we're talking about midterms and not a presidential election. Is it enough to actually get people to take the time and trouble to vote? Yeah. And uh, we had some weather concerns here in uh, Southern California that may have driven some people to stay home. But check this out, Wendy. France, with a population of 67 plus million people, is much bigger than any state in the American Republic. Votes via paper ballots tucked in paper envelopes. That's what they do over there. There's no absentee voting in France. There's no early voting in France. Election workers hand out the votes in a matter of hours and report out results. But here in America, we're still waiting for results from small states like Arizona, where, for example, the candidate seeking the governorship is the person in charge of the election. Uh, no conflict yeah. of interest there, apparently to be uh, trusted with the votes tallied with machines that don't even read the ballots printed with exhausted toner cartridges. So in a way, Wendy, I'm arguing that we're in almost like a third world country when it comes to voting. And I would think that's a pipe bipartisan issue why doesn't why don't both sides come together and say we want to have accurate 100 percent accurate votes whichever way it goes but that we want them to be accurate i think that election integrity is a bipartisan issue what you're bringing up larry is what voters on both sides are talking about regarding their faith and confidence in the elections and to that 
point, we know that different states count ballots differently. I mean, look how fast they were done in Florida. Um, and of course, we are still doing the laborious process of counting in states that, for whatever reason, have adopted voting rules that are cumbersome, that are time consuming, that are draconian, argue some on both sides, again, by the way. And so that's the kind of thing that really draws attention to some of these races. And it doesn't help, does it, that some of the states that saw some issues like Arizona this time around are states where there are very contested elections. So it's kind of a double whammy in states like that, where you not only have close races, but you also have election problems. And as lawyers, let us not forget the lawsuits that have been filed in states like Pennsylvania and Arizona, both before and after the elections. Exactly. And uh, this is kind of interesting, too. I'm going back to the ground rules. Now we have, with the, with the pandemic, extensive period of voting where people who are smart are running out and they're making get-out-the-vote operations every day instead of just waiting, as most Republicans do, save it all up for Election Day, for November 8th. The other side is going out every day treating like that's the last day of the election, even though it's like a, maybe several weeks before the election actually happens. So they're gathering the votes. They're turning them in. So they have a powerhouse, a really good ground game. And I'm not sure the conservative side has a good ground game. And we're really losing out on that aspect, I think. Well, it's also true that remember the star power surrogates that were crisscrossing the country, including three former presidents at the very last minute. Uh, I mean, I say former. Boy, that was a slip. Joe Biden and then um, Donald Trump and President Obama, uh, all three of those presidents were, were stumping for surrogates. But something that both sides are questioning now is surrogate choice. And I say that because you wonder whether or not a particular public figure has the star power and do they help or hurt a, can- a candidate. Um, that's something that's going to potentially inform uh, former President Trump's decision next week to make an announcement. Yes. I would love to know what you think about that, because obviously his candidates did well. But it's also true, at least to some extent, that we didn't see the type of red wave. The Republicans didn't see the kind of red wave they were expecting. So given that they underperformed and given that Democrats defied historical odds and how well they performed, what, if any, impact do you think this is going to have on what Donald Trump tells us on Tuesday? I don't know if it's going to have an impact on him, but it potentially has an impact on his supporters. And I'll just we all know that right after the election or actually probably the same day he came out, he was calling Governor Ron DeSantis, Governor Ron DeSanctimonious, and he called him an average Republican governor with great public relations. Why would you ever fight people that are not fighting you back. I think that was a huge mistake. And even people that are on the conservative side have to say, what's up with that? Why would he do that? Is well, that you know go, go ahead. It would be it would be out of uh, it would be a competitive issue. And it's, it's the same analysis as we've been talking about sort of informally, as the Republicans have been discussing, whether or not there will come a time when President Trump feels threatened by Ron DeSantis, because clearly they're not going to be on the same ticket. That would be like Johnny Depp and the in Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm the captain. No, I'm the captain. I mean, that would <laughs> not work. You, you can't do it that way. But given uh, how well 
um, publicized Ron DeSantis is and how popular he is among at least Florida voters, you wonder whether or not Donald Trump sees him as a threat. What do you think? Yeah, well, I think that um, he's had some really good candidates like Herschel Walker. That's in a runoff stage, I guess, over there. And then I know Kerry Lake in Arizona is um, a, a Trump-type supporter. But he really made a mistake, I think, on Dr. Oz. I can't believe that Fetterman in Pennsylvania would have won out over Dr. Oz. And that's probably not a good uh, pick for Donald Trump, Dr. Oz. Well, we're going to have to pick this up, but you're right. They, that, that state, Georgia, did go to a runoff. And so, Larry, it looks like you and I are going to be mixing polls and poultry. But I'm sure we'll talk about that next month. Right. <laughs> Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Today with Dr. Wendy. We will be back in a flash. cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick and Larry Dersham and I have a fabulous guest for you during the second half. Larry, who do we have on the line? Dr. Douglas G. Frank is Mike Lindell's election fraud expert. Dr. Frank is a world-renowned physicist, Nobel nominee, and data analyst exposing voter fraud in 45 states. Thank you for joining the show this evening, Dr. Frank. Pleasure to be with you. Dr. Frank, we would love to hear your analysis of last Tuesday's election, but I also understand you are a Nobel Prize nominee and that you sing. I'd be curious to hear which of those you're more proud of, but literally tell us a little bit about those achievements. Well, I was in academics for um, many years, for about 40 years, and I have 60 scientific publications. Uh, In 1990, I made a a uh, big discovery that basically changed the whole field of science and made the cover of Science Magazine and Nature Magazine. And oh. for a while, I got I was famous in the scientific community. And uh, the best thing about that, I tell people, is that I got to leave academics uh, <laughs> uh, because the place was going bonkers at the time. Uh, and I left in 1996, went into business for myself and, and uh, did that for about 20 years. And then retired from that and now look what i'm doing wow that's cool hey dr frank with what you've seen so far with last tuesday's midterm election in your expert opinion was this week's election fair and honest or do you believe there may have been some election fraud involved maybe just a little bit (laughs) okay i detect sarcasm (laughs) (laughs) yes just a little bit of sarcasm there um, people were asking me ahead of the election what I thought was going to happen. And I told them before the election, I said, there's going to be a lot of R's elected, but not the ones we want. Wow. Yeah, I you said. know, 
you know, Dr. Frank, when we talk about, you know, people say election deniers, and I got, I got to tell you, a large swath of the public doesn't know what that means. But when you talk about election integrity, which presumably is a bipartisan value, and you look at the yes. different states and the way they count votes and ballots and the way yes. they allow ballots, I mean, are there certain states you believe that are more vulnerable to election integrity issues than others? And if so, what are those states? Well, they're all basically vulnerable. Um, they're vulnerable in different ways, but they're all extremely vulnerable. Um, for example, in North Dakota, they don't keep any rolls. They just welcome everybody to vote and then tell you the total afterwards and nobody audits it. So mm. that's totally vulnerable. Um, and the machines they're using and the way they're doing their electronic records are all hacked. So they're vulnerable there. That would be maybe one type of vulnerability. Another type of vulnerability would be, say, in Oregon, where everything's been by mail for 20 years, and that's completely preposterous. And now California and the state of Washington are leaning over towards all mail. And if 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 the rolls were clean and the process uh, was more carefully monitored, you might be able to have a successful election doing it that way. But the problem is, is they have so many people in the roles that are not real people. What do I mean by that? They're dead. They've moved away. They're not eligible to vote, such as such as like that. So many of those in our states that if you just mail ballots to all those people, you're basically just flooding the whole market with tons of ballots that can be stuffed later. And, you know, as you guys, if you saw 2000 mules, you saw a lot of those ballots being stuffed. So, all any state that has any mail-in ballots. And in 2020, for example, we were talking about Ohio a minute ago. In, in 2020, 56% of our ballots came in by mail. Okay. Wow. It's, it's, it's much higher than people realize. And it, the problem is, is those ballots, you lose chain of custody. You know, it, you got to understand the clerks are not even printing the ballots. The clerks give the order to a print shop who prints the ballots and mails the ballots, okay? In other words, there's already now a chain of custody lost. And then those ballots get sent out or not sent out, and a lot of them don't get sent out because of bad addresses on them. What happens to the ballots then? Then those ballots are mailed to various residences, and how do we know they got safely into the hands of the voter? And then the voter presumably votes them, and then... Do they drop them off by hand? Do they drop them off in person? Does somebody come by and collect them, which we have lots of evidence? I was just in Florida the other day. Everybody thinks Florida is so good, but they're one of the worst in the country. Um, they have we had Democrats speaking at this conference I was at Democrats, minority Democrats, um, beautiful people coming up and saying they're coming into our neighborhoods and collecting all of our ballots. It's it's a bad situation. So as soon as you have mail in the process, you're you're in trouble. And every state is doing that now. So, you know, when you say compare state to state, that's a huge vulnerability right off the bat. Well, there's really no, in my opinion, justification for that. I understand the pandemic and they really took advantage of that pandemic to modify the election rules, even illegally modify the election rules per their constitutions. But um, another thing I worry about is uh, the the voting machines. Now, there's so much uh, that can go wrong with that. Are you concerned about the voting machines that tabulate these ballots? Yes, I am. Um, One of the things, it's not my major emphasis, 
because I also like to remind people that it doesn't matter how many times you count the cash in the register. What matters is how many of the bills are counterfeit. So you can count the ballots till the cows come home. What matters is how many of those ballots really came from who you think they came from. So the major source of fraud is not the machines directly, but indirectly, because the machines report the tallies. Let me give an example so you'll understand what I mean. Let's say that you're behind in an election, 8 to 10, and you want to be ahead. Well, you stuff four ballots. Now you're ahead 12 to 10. The thing is, is two things had to happen. First, you had to know you were behind 8 to 10. Okay. And then the second thing is you need to know who's voted already so you can put in ballots for the people who haven't voted already. And so both of those things require, quote, unquote, machines. In other words, machines is not just one thing. There's the thing you can put your ballot in that scans the ballots. There's the tabulator that collects the tallies. There's how you register people. It's how you register people to vote when they walk in the polls. It's how you maintain the list. It's how you decide where to send the ballots to have them printed, et cetera, et cetera. There are multiple systems that are all integrated and all working together. <clears throat> and it's, it's, the whole thing is hacked. You know, Dr. Frank, you bring up a good point about all the complications of mail-in balloting. You know, I grew up where we went to a, a polling place, you know, yes. sort of a, a family opportunity yes. to go and, and, and experience voting and being a part yes. of making history. You might have noticed that as the years have passed, there's a flood of litigation both before, during, and after some of these elections. Why do you think it's so complicated for anybody to prove really one way or another What's going on with the way these ballots are being tabulated? In other words, to use your apt analogy, how do you tell if there are any counterfeit bills in the register? Well, the, the system is pretty much set up to, to cover up a lot of that, which is why I don't emphasize um, the post-election analysis of the ballots. That sometimes is fruitful, but usually not. And I can give an example of that, like in Maricopa. Um, the big election there, um, the election audit from Maricopa, everybody was looking forward to that, remember, and they counted 2.1 million ballots and they recounted them and it came out about the same. What you need to know about that audit is not that the recount came out the same. What you need to know is that they had 1,550 ba- boxes storing those ballots. And when they brought those boxes out to do the recount, only 50 of the boxes had their seals still intact. And that's what you need to know. So in other words, it doesn't matter how you count them or how many times you count them. What matters is are the ballots really the pieces of paper that came really from the people? That's the problem. And so the machines are are a problem, but really um, they're only complicit. They aren't all of the problem. Well, um, you know, I wondered if you, if you were in, what do you think about voter ID? Is that something that we should maybe institute? I think it's a great idea. What do you think? Well, there are 150 countries, modern countries in the world that do modern elections, and 149 of them require photo IDs and one doesn't. Guess which one doesn't? United States, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And I don't think that's an accident. And we as Americans, we've been duped. We've been duped into thinking that we can use electronics to do our elections. I build electronics and that door behind me, there's an electronic shop. I build electronics for a living. And I'm telling you, <laughs> I don't trust anything that's electronic because I can hack into any of these devices. Um, it's not a you know, it's, it's not a good idea. 
Dr. Frank, given what we've all experienced during the pandemic and how everybody has become so much more tech savvy, at least than they were before, that's also really sort of made this push to, you know, let's modernize, let's make everything electronic. Is that a good or a bad idea when we talk about some of these issues? And I want, you know, I was interested that you talk about it's not just an issue of chain of custody, but also potentially of preservation. You know, one of the reasons that we seal and we label and we have, you know, um, cameras watching everybody do everything, uh, bipartisan workers at every polling place. If we take away the human element and say, well, we're just going to modernize and do everything electronically. I mean, doesn't that isn't that vulnerable to a whole host of different issues? I I just got the one minute mark. So this will be your chance to act like a lawyer and give me an answer in 20 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) I think the entire thing needs to be transparent. And you make a great point. If you just had a video camera camera inspecting every aspect of what happens to a ballot, we'd all be happy. The problem is you can't have a video camera going through the mail. So no, you're right. But everything else, there's no reason why we shouldn't have a permanent record of everything that happens to every ballot. That's right. We need a GoPro on every ballot counting individual or in every poll watcher. Yes, yes, we do. Thank you so much for joining me. We appreciate your time. Thank you, Doctor. You have been listening to Today with Dr. Wendy headlines with the silver lining we are going to catch up with you again next week in the meantime have a wonderful weekend and god bless you thank you for joining us for today with dr wendy you can learn more about dr wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com that's wendypatrickphd.com tune in every week at this same time as dr wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day this has been today with dr wendy on the answer san diego Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.